Well, hey guys, that's a nice welcome. Uh, I guess you guys didn't get the memo that there's a basketball game tonight. Um, pretty big deal, but uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, another Tuesday. Uh, if we've not met before, my name is Davis. I'm on staff here. I get to do uh, men's ministry, so I work with all of the guys. Um, I would love to meet you afterwards. I'm going to be out under the uh, neon Veritas sign. Uh, if we've not had a chance to meet, please just like come up and introduce yourself. Um, I would love to get to know you and help you get plugged in here however you want to. Um, if you do know me, then I'm going to point out the elephant in the room. Uh, I don't usually wear glasses. Uh, I got these in yesterday, and I wasn't going to say anything, but like all day I've been wearing them, and I like go up to people that I know, and they just like stare at me, and I'm like, do I bring it up? So uh, here I am mentioning it. I have glasses now. It's a new era. Yeah. <laughs> Unnecessary. Um, <laughs> But if you don't know, uh, we are in the middle of a series on identity, um, and we're doing that series because our generation, Gen Z, uh, one of the main questions that we are asking about life is, who am I? Some confused murmurings. I am Gen Z. I'm, I look 17. I'm 25, but I'm like right on the cusp, so I think it still counts. I can say our generation, but um, one of the main questions that we are asking about life is, who am I? We're looking for an identity that, that can't be taken away because we want to know who we are, and we don't want that to be constantly changing. We want it to be something that we can lean on and, and trust over our lives. And so the series is we've just kind of been analyzing answers to that question. And so tonight, I want to look at the answer of, I am my image. And I can't really think of a better example of uh, image than a company I came across the other day. It's called Fake a Vacation. Any guesses as to what they do? Yeah, they fake vacations. Good answer. Um, you can pay this company anywhere from like 20 to like 100 bucks, depending on the package, and they will Photoshop a picture of you to make it look like you went somewhere that you did not. And that's a crazy premise, but what's even crazier is how bad the Photoshop is. So I, I like have to show you guys some examples. So first up, um, if we can get a picture, maybe not. don't know if that's working, but um, take my word for it. It's not great Photoshop. Uh, the first one is, is a woman. Nick's going to fix it for me while I talk. Um, Would have been helpful if I turned it on. Yeah, so TVs need to have power to display stuff. <laughs> We've been doing this for a minute. You'd think we'd have that figured out. But that's okay. Mistakes happen. Hey, here we go. Okay, so here's a woman who was in front of a boring background, and now she's in front of the Eiffel Tower. I guess her friends wouldn't have known if she went to Paris or not. Um, next up is, uh, <laughs> it's so bad, <laughs> but it's somebody proposing, and then it's somebody proposing in uh, Las Vegas, which this kind of stings, like it would be a bummer to spend a bunch of money on a ring and to work up the nerves to propose and then have your fiance pay money to change the location that you proposed for the pictures, like that's a bummer. Guys, maybe figure out ahead of time where she wants to be proposed at. Um, even worse though is a wedding, <laughs> as if, all of the people at this wedding don't remember that it happened within this church and not like on a beach somewhere. Like it's ridiculous. The whole company is ridiculous. But I think what's even more ridiculous is that it actually works. There's a travel agency named JetCost and uh, they did a survey. I don't know how many people they asked, but they asked people, have you ever faked vacation pictures? And 10% of people said, yeah, I have. I've faked pictures and posted them on the internet. I don't 
know how big the survey was, but even if it was 10 people and that 10% is just one person, like that's already too many people. It's such a ridiculous thing. But it reminded me of another story that Kyle used to tell. Uh, if you don't know Kyle, he's a co-director here. Uh, if you've been around, you've seen him speak. If not, you will soon. But um, he was at a coffee shop in town, having a meeting, working, doing whatever. And he noticed that a guy came and sat next to him and pulls out his Bible, pulls out his journal, pulls out a bunch of pens, and he gets his coffee. And then he starts like meticulously arranging all of it. And then dude does like a full-on photo shoot. I mean, he's like getting up, he's doing angles, like the whole nine yards. And then he packs up and he leaves. He doesn't even open the Bible, doesn't read it, was just getting a pick for the gram. Also reminds me of a friend I have who, uh, for a summer, lived on the coast and got close to an influencer. And um, I don't know what kind of influencer, I don't know how big they are, but um, it was big enough that it was their full-time job. And this influencer friend would only go to certain coffee shops or certain restaurants based on how trendy they were. And then, at the coffee shops, she would only order drinks based off of how they looked, not how they tasted, because what she would do is she would get the drink, she'd take some pictures, she'd post it, and then she would literally throw it away. I'm sure on the coast, that's like an $8 Instagram picture. Like, that's ridiculous. I, I, I don't know which of those examples is most ridiculous. I think I change my mind every time I try to decide. But um, for as ridiculous as all that sounds, I think that we can relate to that stuff. Maybe not like the particulars of, of faking vacations or faking coffee shop orders, but I think that we can all relate to what's behind those stories, which is that people want to be seen. People really want to be seen. They want to be seen doing things and saying things and thinking things and being for things that other people agree with. Why? Like, what's, what's behind that? Why do we want to be seen so badly? Well, I think it's because being seen is how we know that we fit in. Being seen is how we know that we fit in. Because if we can do and say and think and, and be for the stuff that other people are for, then they like us. They accept us. They want us. We fit in with them. And I don't really need to take a poll to know that every single person in this room wants to fit in. If you're being honest with yourself, you want to fit in. You want to be liked. You want to be accepted. You want to have friends. Duh, of course you do. I do too. I genuinely think that like, might be my biggest desire in life. Because if I'm honest, I haven't always fit in. It's actually been a pretty big struggle for me. I'm obviously a little bit of a shorter guy. When I was young, I was pretty overweight, and I would get actively bullied from time to time. Fitting in has not always been easy for me. Making friends has not always been easy for me. And so I absolutely understand the desire to, to be put in front of people in a way that is going to get me accepted. Because, you know, if I can be seen and if I can fit in, that starts to feel like an identity. That starts to feel like something that I can, you know, hang my hat on. That's something that, you know, if people see me and, and, and they like what they see, then, then I'm wanted. And I start to do whatever it takes to be wanted. I start to post and say and think whatever it takes to fit in with people. You know, I'm, I'm doing this all the time. And, and this is not just meant to be a, a social media sermon, but I think that our generation, we have to talk about social media because it is like the number one way that we are constantly projecting ourselves out into the world. It is the number one way that we are constantly being seen by other people. And my desire to fit in absolutely shapes 
how I post. I have never been a huge fan of sports. Um, I played sports growing up, but I just like don't follow them. It's a lot to keep track of. There's a lot of them, and it's just not something that I can like relate to people over. And, and being a guy, I have always felt pretty self-conscious about that. Like, I literally the other day in the office started getting into a conversation about sports and was just trying to keep it like as high level as possible because I don't know anything. But I've got a buddy who works for the Chiefs now, and he's a writer. He's doing an amazing job. And so when they beat the Bengals the other week, he posted a picture with the Sam Hunt trophy. And I was like, that's so cool. This guy's crushing it. He's so good at his job. And so I shared it. And yeah, I'm partially sharing it because I want to support my friend. But if I'm honest, I'm mostly sharing it because I want to be part of the conversation. Because I can't really talk about how the Chiefs played. I can't be a bandwagon and just start rooting for him. So I'm looking for ways to be part of this conversation that's happening because I know that people care about the Chiefs around here. Maybe, oh yeah, some, some not so much. Uh, maybe a little bit of a, a more honest example is Caitlin, who does our social media here. She's incredible at what she does. Yeah, cheers for Caitlin. Um, tomorrow, she's going to post a, a clip of the sermon, some small little bit in here that uh, makes it look like I did a good job, I don't know, or is helpful to you guys. Um, and I'm going to have to make a decision about whether I share that post or not. And I'm going to have all sorts of stuff running through my brain of, man, what if it actually wasn't that good? Or what if it was good and I want it to be helpful? Or maybe worst of all, what if it was good and I'm only posting it because I really want people to respect me? I want to be seen as somebody who's competent and has influence and, and can speak to people well. Like, my desire to fit in starts kicking in, and it absolutely shapes the way that I post and the way that I want people to see me. And I think that's true for you guys, too. Maybe not, again, with those specific examples, but, you know, it's why you guys post when you hang out with certain friends. You know, you've got some friends that you can hang out with, and you're like, yeah, that was fine. And you've got other friends that you're like, we're taking selfies, we're posting these all the time, because that's somebody that I want to be seen with. Or it's the reason I've seen some of your Instagram accounts. It's the reason that you post every single time that you go to the gym. And you want people to see how big you're getting. I get it. So do they. <laughs> it's, the, uh, it, you know, it's the reason that some of us are, are so drawn into things like the Enneagram or, or horoscopes. And we're constantly posting like, this is what it means to be a three today. And these are the things that I'm most drawn to. Because like we want to be known in that way. It's something that we can you know, flock to that is really easy to be understood. Because I think at the heart of all of this, there's a tension between wanting to be seen, because that's how we know that we fit in, but also being kind of afraid to be seen, because that's an opportunity to not fit in. Being seen is an opportunity to be rejected. And so what we do is we flock to all of the super surface level, easy stuff that we know other people are going to accept about us. And then we try to hide all the stuff that we don't actually want people to know about us. But either way, we are trying to shape our identity in our image. We're trying to present a certain way so that people will think a certain thing about us and fit in. And I think it leads us to post like as often as possible, to be seen as often as possible, because when I'm constantly getting reaffirmed that I fit in, that feels like an identity that is never going to leave. Uh, JP is a pastor in Texas, he recently posted about this, um, and he referred to it as Fonzo, kind of a play on FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. He means Fonzo as fear of not showing others. And so what he's talking about here is this desire to post about everything that we're doing all of the time. 
he was on vacation, I think a real one, um, with his wife, and he was looking at a sunset, and he realized, like, man, this is beautiful. I want to share this with people. I want people to know that I'm here. And he runs inside, and he grabs his phone, he starts trying to take a picture, and halfway in to, like, stumbling around his nightstand, he's like, what am I doing? Like, why can't I just sit and enjoy the sunset? Why do I have to go and show other people? And I think the answer is that showing other people is an opportunity to fit in. It's an opportunity to show off that he's on vacation. You know, he's somebody that, or he's somewhere that other people want to be. Or at the very least, it's some, an opportunity for people to be like, man, that's so awesome. I'm glad you're on vacation. You're so great at speaking. You deserve a break. Like, I don't want to just put words in his mouth, but it's, it's behind a lot of what we do. It's behind a lot of what we post. It's this desire to fit in and to be seen as often as possible because we're just building this tower of, of fitting in because it feels like something that is never going to leave. It starts to feel like an identity that people want us because of the ways that we show them who we are. So we are, you know, chronically online. We are constantly connected. We're constantly being seen. And yet, stats show that our generation is the loneliest in our country's history. And I don't say that lightly. That's really sad. But I think we are desperate for connection. We want to be known so badly but how does that work out, right? How does it work out that we are constantly seen and connected to each other, but still desperately lonely? Well, I think, I'm afraid, that our generation isn't the loneliest because we're unable to fit in or because it's not going well. I'm afraid our generation is the loneliest because it actually is going well, because you are able to fit in all the time. Because that's another thing about social media, right, is that if you don't fit in with the people around you, you can go find a community where you do. You can go find you know, your surface level interests, your TV shows, something that's true about you that you guys can bond over, and you can go find it with people who live wherever. So I don't think that we're lonely because we're unable to fit in or because it's difficult. I think we're lonely because we are fitting in, and it's not enough. I think that being seen you know, 24-7 that constant sense of fitting in convinces us that we've made it, that we have enough, and that we, we have an identity that's not going anywhere. But here's the deal is I think that you're settling. I think that you're settling for fitting in because ultimately fitting in is temporary. It might feel like it lasts forever. It might feel like the friends that you have right now and your fashion sense and that thing you're good at or that sport you play or your looks that all of that stuff is going to last forever, but it won't. Maybe I'm just saying this because I'm a 25-year-old who still hangs out with college students, but like this stuff changes all the time and is a moving target. And to be honest, it's kind of exhausting to keep up. You think that the friend group you have right now is going to be the one that lasts forever, but what happens when you graduate and you guys move? Who says that when you move, you're going to be able to find another friend group like that? And what happens when you stop playing that sport that you play? I mean, Tom Brady's posting thirst traps right now. Dude's been retired for like hardly a week. We are constantly looking to be seen. That was that one's maybe going to get edited out. We'll see. <laughs> but I think that fitting in, it doesn't feel like it in the moment, but I think that it is ultimately so temporary. And I think that fitting in is lonely. And that's kind of an oxymoron, right? Like how are you lonely if you're fitting in? But let me explain. I think that fitting in is lonely because at the end of the day, there's only so much that you can share about yourself when you keep things up here. Inevitably, 
If I am striving to be known by the things that you and I can connect on and the things that I'm positive you will agree with me on, there's going to be all sorts of stuff that I leave out. Fitting in is not a way to be deeply known. It is just a way to find people who agree with you on certain stuff. I, uh, I got permission to share the story, but I have a friend who, um, you know, she was going through recruitment, and bid day finally came up, and she got a bid. Exciting stuff. You know, there's all sorts of girls who don't get bids and who just would desperately wish to be in this girl's situation. But she had an awful week. She didn't enjoy it whatsoever. It wasn't the house that she wanted to be in. But what does she post? She posts a picture of herself going, yay, so excited, bid day's awesome, I love this. Inside, she's having a terrible time. She doesn't want to be there. She's not doing well. But that's not what you post on bid day, right? You don't fit in by talking about how hard it is and how much you don't want to be there and how much of a bad time you're having. So I think that, that fitting in, just keeping things at that fitting in level is inevitably going to keep us from being fully known because there's going to be all sorts of stuff that we can't actually share with people. You know, it makes us ask the question all the time of like, but what will they think? But what will they think if they finally know this about me? What will they think if they finally know that like I'm struggling with depression or I'm super insecure or, you know, I don't actually know what I want to be doing in life. Like we are afraid that once we start peeling back the layers that we don't actually fit in, that people don't want us, that we're not accepted and so we have to just keep things at that level of fitting in and it is very lonely and so I think that we settle we settle for fitting in because it feels like being known and I think we say it's I would rather be known at least a little bit than not at all it's a true statement right like I would rather be known some than not at all but I think that you are missing being known fully because here's the truth I think that we settle for fitting in, but you were made to belong. You settle for fitting in, but you were made to belong. This language is all over the Bible, so I just want to look at some verses that talk about it. Psalm 100, verse 3, says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That is full of beautiful language right there. You know, like, he who made us, you were created you have a creator, and we are his. You belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. What do pastors do for their, for their sheep? They care for them. You belong to your creator, and he loves you. Let's look at the next verse, Isaiah 43, 1. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You have a creator and you belong to him. 1 John 3.1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You have a creator and you belong to him. Over and over, these verses tell us that God sees us as his children. We're his. We belong to him. And that's incredible news because it's not temporary. It's not lonely. It is so much more fulfilling than fitting in. It's so much more long-lasting. It's so much deeper than fitting in. You know, fitting in tells us that we have to look a certain way to be accepted, that unless such and such and such thing is true of you, I don't want anything to do with you. Or maybe the positive flip side of that is like, if such and such is true of you, then yeah, welcome in. 
But that's not what Jesus says at all. You know, I think Jesus loves us no matter what, because he created us and we belong to him, but also because he loved us at our worst. And he proved it. He didn't just say it, he proved it. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. And if you don't know what that means, if you're like, why are we all of a sudden talking about like Jesus dying and sin and, and this is all kind of over my head, that's okay. Essentially, God created you been saying that all night, God created you, and he created you to flourish. There is a particular way that we were created to live, and that is in faithful obedience to God, because he designed us. He is good. He is perfect. He knows what will fulfill us, and so he designed you to live in a certain way, in obedience to him. But then, you know, sin comes along, and, and we don't obey God. We look for answers. We look for meaning. We look for our identity in things that are not God, and it doesn't work out. But thankfully, Jesus comes in, in the midst of all of that. And he loves us so much that he dies for us in the midst of all of our rebellion when we are actively choosing things other than him. Jesus comes in and he dies for us. And in his death, and then he resurrected, he was a sacrifice for us so that we could be washed clean of our sin. Jesus' blood washed us clean of our sin so that you could be made right with God, so that you can now have a relationship with God that is back to that flourishing that is back into that design. We cannot live obediently on our own, but Jesus lived obediently on our behalf, and then he died for us so that his blood would wash us clean. And he didn't do it because you deserved it. He didn't do it because you looked a certain way. He didn't do it because you fit in. He did it because he loves you. You are his. And because of that, First Ephesians gives us even more promise. It says, and also you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So when Jesus died for you, you were marked with a seal. You were given an inheritance. Jesus is going to sit at the right hand throne of God forever, and you get to share in that glory. Jesus dying for you gave you a ticket to eternity with God. We share in Jesus' inheritance, and it's not temporary. It is forever. It's not anything you did. It's not because of any way you looked. It's not because of anything you said or anything that was true about you. It is only true of you because of what Jesus did for you. And that is an identity that cannot be taken away from you. That's not a temporary you only get it if you deserve it. You only get it if you look a certain way. You only get it if he wants to give it to you. That is a permanent, I died for you on the cross and my blood has washed you clean and I bought you a ticket to an eternal relationship with me kind of identity that Jesus gives us. And that enables us to say, you belong here. This idea that we belong to Jesus, not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, because of what he did, and all of the promises that means for us now, that enables us to say, you belong here. We use that language a lot around here. You've probably heard it before. Um, we've done events about it. We've posted all over the place. But um, we don't mean that as like a corporate, like, we're all family here type slogan. Like, that's not what we're saying when we say that. What we are saying is that any and all who want to follow Jesus belong here. And I don't even mean here as in veritas, I don't mean here as in the crossing. I mean here in the presence of God where believe, believers come and gather in his presence. 
You are welcome and you belong in the presence of God because you are his. He made you how you are. He chose you to be that way. He chose you and and saved you from your sin when you were at your most broken. And he promises to love you forever. And when we actually believe that, like when that is true, not just in our head, but like in our heart, we get to let our guards down. You don't have to work to fit in when all of that is already true of you, no matter what you do or say or think. You know, I think if we can stop finding our identity and just fitting in and just doing whatever the person next to you wants you to do and just, you know, being enough for each other, I think if our identity can be firmly rooted in Jesus and what he's done for us, then we, have to, we get to, like, stop stressing about what the people around us think. You know, we can stop finding our identity and fitting in. Our identities are secure in God. He wants us. And so we do not have to stress about fitting in. I want to repeat that. You don't have to stress about fitting in here because you belong here. And I want to pause there because I think that's a thing that's really easy to say. You know, you belong here and you don't have to worry about fitting in. It's a really easy thing to say. And I'm going to guess for some of you that does not feel very true. That doesn't sound like something that you have felt yet. Because reality is like you want to fit in better here. Fitting in has been hard for you. You've been coming and and you don't have many friends yet. Connecting's been hard. You don't know that many people. You come on a Tuesday night and you don't really know who you're going to talk to. And you see all these other people getting posted on the Instagram. And you're like, man, I, I want that to be me. Why isn't it me? Maybe if I looked more like the other people, maybe if I had similar interests, maybe if I was just more like them, then I would finally fit in here. And let me say, I I get that. And if that's your experience, I'm I'm really sorry. That sucks. And, And I don't want that to be true for you. But I also think that is not why you belong here. Getting all of that, fitting in, is not going to change why you belong here. And for those of you who do fit in here, who have all of your friends, who know our staff team really well, who make it on the Instagram every week, who have lines of people trying to talk to them on a Tuesday night, that's all great. You don't have to feel bad for that being true of you, but none of that is why you belong here either. The only reason that any of us belong here is because Jesus died for us and his blood washed us clean. And that's truth that will not change based on anything that you do or anything that's true of you. That is permanently true of you because of what Jesus did. But I think if we want that to feel true for people, then we have to live like that's true. We have to treat each other like that's true of one another. You know, Jesus deeply knows us, and he loves us, and so we can deeply know and love each other. We can exist in deep community together because of what is true. We're not just stressing about fitting in. We're not just trying to keep up with the trends to impress one another, but we can deeply connect with one another. You know, Veritas is not just about the Tuesday nights. But I do think Tuesday nights are really important because it's where people are coming in to learn more about Jesus. It's where people are coming to try to find out what kind of community they can exist in and, and who Jesus is and what that does for, his, for their lives. And I think that if, if we can be a community of people where belonging is tangible, where belonging is something that is felt the second you walk in the door, We're going to help a lot of people come to know what it means to follow Jesus. And so I think that the more certain we are of our identity in Jesus, the more that we can love people freely, the more that we're 
just able to, to care for one another because we're not just so caught up in me, 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 and what do people think of me, and, and are they accepting me, and, and am I fitting in well enough? Tuesday night is not a place where you have to come with a smile on your face. It's not a place where you have to look a certain way to exist here. It's not a place where you have to keep your arms down and your voice quiet because you're afraid of what people are going to think of you when you sing and worship. You can be yourself here. Our belonging in Jesus, it is deep and it is forever and it is not based on anything that you can do. And that's what can be true of people at Veritas. You know, we're not just projecting an image. We are true to who Jesus has made us. We're not just using each other to find our identities, but we are loving one another and helping point to the identity that we already have in Jesus. It lets us, you know, know each other deeply. It lets us get past the surface. It lets us ask questions like, how are you? But like to actually mean it. You know, I don't want to just know like what sports team you root for or what classes you're in or how you spent your time yesterday. That's all fine. But like, I want to know like who you are. I want to know what gives you life. I want to know what keeps you up at night. I want to know what you're excited about. You get to get past the surface and love people deeply. And that also means we get to take care of one another as we are. You don't have to show up here with a smile on your face. I think Tuesday nights can be this really big, overwhelming thing where we all come together and we worship and we're excited and we hang out afterwards, and that's all fine. But if this is a place where we all genuinely belong, then it is perfectly okay to, like, not be okay here, to show up on a Tuesday night and just say, man, I need help. Like, I need somebody to be here for me. And if all of us have identities that are secure in Jesus, we can be that for each other. I'm not stressing about trying to impress you and to fit in with you. I get to just care for you. I get to love you. And so I think that if we are only loving people that fit in here, we're failing. We are not doing what Jesus called us to do. We are not living like the promise that Jesus gave us is true for all of us. It is not just true for the people that fit in here. It is true for everybody. And that is what a community of people who are firm in their identity can look like. You know, instead of just loving people the way that we want to be loved, we can love people the way that Jesus loved us. That's what we mean when we say that you belong here. It means that you can come back next week and initiate with somebody. You don't have to be afraid of what they're going to think of you. You don't have to be afraid of, of how you look or if you're awkward or if it's weird that you came up and you asked them if it was their first time and they said no. Like, that's all fine. That's not your identity. Your identity is not just in fitting in with that person. It is secure. So you can come back next week and you can initiate with people. You know, you can come back next week and be known. You can come back next week and not be okay and hope that there is somebody here who is ready to care for you because their identity is secure. We have all sorts of socials coming up. You can come to those things and just be yourself. You can come to those things and get to know people and not be paralyzed by the fear that, that there are not going to be people there that want you. This is a community where people want you, where you belong, and it's not based on your identity. It is based on the identity that Jesus has given you. You can also join a small group. You can join a small group, and you can go, and every single week you can share deeply about how you're doing, because at the end of the day, you belong. You belong with Jesus. And so what other people here think of you does not matter. It does not change anything about the promise that you've been given in Jesus. So you can do all of those things with certainty that even if you go and it doesn't go well, that that does not change who you are in Jesus. You belong, and it has nothing to do with what the people here think of you. So go and do all of those things, 
But don't do it to fit in. Do it because you belong. You belong here because Jesus bought your ticket here. You belong here because Jesus died for you, not because of anything you could do. You're settling for fitting in, and I understand it. I feel it. But that is not what is ultimately going to bring you an identity. Every single person in this room could love you, and that would not that would not be uh, half of a quarter of a fraction of the identity that Jesus has given you. You belong here. It is permanent. It is deep. And it is beautiful. Amen.